He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. And guys, today is a very, very special day. It's our Holy Awards, if you don't know what that is. It's our version of our ESPYs that we give out special awards for things that happened in 2022. But first, guys, we had massive news yesterday, and we kind of expected it. I think all three of us probably called this news, but uh, yesterday, Live Golfers, it was announced yesterday that Live Golfers will be allowed to compete at the Masters in 2023 based on the prior criteria. T-Dub, what were your initial thoughts? It's sort of like you said earlier, Sam. I mean, we all have pre- predicted this to happen. I think it just would have been an absolute travesty if anything besides this was the case. And it seemed like they were trying to figure out any any way they could to uh, to make these guys not able to play. But there's just going to be way too many complications and too many things going on behind the scenes that I think would allow that to happen. It'd just be absolutely horrible for golf if it was the case. It was really funny though yesterday watching uh, the Golf Channel just in absolute panic when it happened and trying to downplay. Um, really the situation that it was. But uh, I don't know, Woody, just like Sam said, I think we called this about uh, really since all this lift stuff started happening. Well, when the Open Championship let them in, I think that pretty much forced the hand of the Masters. Although I am a little worried. Did you notice in that, that press release, they said they would have more announcements to make at the 23 event? That's right, which I don't know uh, if that's good or bad, Woody. You never know. And we've heard a lot about how how, uh, we've heard a lot about how Fred Ridley is not necessarily a fan of live. Right, Woody? Yeah, that's what worries me, Sam. I don't the only reason why I think they'd say we're going to have some more announcements once tournament in 23 is is bad news for the live. In my opinion, I I know Ridley does not want and it. He was looking at any way they could to not do it, and they just couldn't. There, there's just no way you could have done that. But with that announcement of we're going to make more announcements at the tournament in 23, I'm worried. I'm worried about that. Uh, and, and one thing, too, that they, they stated was uh, really how much they disliked the way the state of the professional game was at this point. So it, they definitely seemed like that they wanted to try to change some things. But I do think that was one thing that was interesting, Sam, was that listening to the Golf Channel last night, even Rex Hargard said that, Augusta is more likely to look at the for the PJ Tour season and the new schedule they have coming out with the fall series and all that. But trying to decide if those winners are going to get into Augusta, if they said that on Augusta's plate, that's more of a priority than even Liv is right now. So I thought it was interesting for even the anti-Liv station is the golf channel to say something like that. Guys, real quick, before we get off of this subject, I do have to say I feel like Augusta National got off a little bit easy this year because guys like a Taylor Gooch and, uh, you know, Joaquin Neiman and, uh, you know, you could go down the list of guys that aren't necessarily former Masters champions, right? Uh, I feel like they were – they got off – Augusta National got off the hook in the fact that they were inside the top 50 at the end of the year still, and so they were able to say, you know – Look, they're inside the top 50. They can play. What? What's everybody bitching about, right, Woody? Spot on. 
spot on with that. Um, I'm, I just, I, I, I'm worried about 23 guys. I just don't know what's going to happen. I, I think 23 is going to be really interesting. And I, I don't think they're happy with the live. I know they're not happy with the live, and they're still trying to keep them out. So I think 23 is going to be a really difficult year. Well, I, I do think it, it's just a, a sticky situation because they would have had to change their event criteria essentially to make sure that these guys would have gotten out. And, and that's just a horrible look. So maybe with the PJ Tour potentially changing in the, the fall winners, they can incorporate a whole new event criteria, which does have some stipulations on the list. So, yes, I do think there is a chance of that happening. But also at the same time, as long as live as long as the live events aren't getting world ranking points, unless some of these major winners or guys go out there and win majors, it's the the whole thing's going to take care of itself because the guys won't be able to qualify for Augusta. That's right, guys. Uh, speaking of Augusta, probably the most memorable Masters of our generation was Tiger in 2019, and we saw Tiger over this past weekend at the PNC Championship. Before we get to the tournament, guys, what did you think about Tiger? I feel like, T-Dub, that I kind of called it a little bit, that Tiger would look pretty good and everybody would kind of get their hopes up and not necessarily realize that the guy can't play when he's walking. Well, he, he looked really good on Saturday. I mean, he was honestly and close to what he looked like in 2019. I mean, his wedge game was absolutely superb, made a lot of putts. So even uh, even Bones, I believe, these Tigers said that Bones and him were making comments about how good he was playing and how he Bones was obviously front row seat when Tiger was absolutely in his prime. But then, like you said, he faulted off on Sunday. He didn't have his best stuff. And, and he seemed like, because he played with uh, JT and his dad both days, that they kind of fed off each other the first day. And then the second day, uh, they neither one of those groups played very well. They actually, in the scramble format, they changed, both groups changed who putted first and second. And whenever you're doing stuff like that in a scramble, you know things are not going your way. Uh, what I thought, guys, I don't know about you all, but I was impressed with Tiger's hanging out while he's hitting the golf ball, but I still worry about his walking. I mean, they look bad walking. I, I just, I don't know. It did. I, what do you all think? I don't know. I just didn't think he looked good walking. I thought... It looked horrible. It looked exactly like it looked at Southern Hills, which is not good because I figured it would would have looked better by now, but it probably is just going to look like this forever, guys. I mean, it, it looked exactly how it looked when he withdrew from Southern Hills. The golf game was not the problem. The swing was not the problem. The problem was he couldn't walk up the hill. It, his foot just, I mean, his knee and, and leg and, and everything is back. It, it just looked broken, right? And at this point, guys, I mean, just how much can he actually recover? I mean, how much of this is the plantar fasciitis versus how much of it is just a, a consequence of, of what happened to his leg? And, he, I mean, he said numerous times in his press conferences he's having to do every single type of rehab possible to try to get this right. And so you know he still has the dedication and wants to do it, but I, I just don't know. What the, the amount of strain your body takes over the course of a professional tournament, let alone a professional season a full-on schedule which we know he won't be able to play ever again he stated that but he, even the chance of him I think the chance of him playing an event besides a major is probably a, a tough stretch at this point maybe he'll try to play one before Augusta just to see if he can but uh, I, I'm, I'm not very optimistic in that sense guys. and then Woody well, which one? I, I, I gotta which, hear your go thoughts ahead. on Charlie and, and that injury too I mean it, it was hilarious to watch I not hilarious that he got injured, but it was hilarious to watch him walk around the course and looked exactly like Tiger. It was it was almost uncanny, and even the way they kind of compensate, you know, on their follow through, it, it was honestly crazy that you know it was that much like Tiger Woods. Almost 
verbatim the way they hobbled around. That was that. I, I, yeah, it wasn't funny, but it was interesting to watch. Uh, I don't know, guys. Maybe he'll play at Genesis. Maybe he won't. I don't know. But he's got to play at least once before he plays Augusta. And I'm not sure if it's going to be Bay Hill, if it's going to be the L.A., or if he's going to try the Tournament Players Championship. But, boy, if I don't see something different soon, I'm going to worry. Yeah, me too, guys. Um, by the way, Team Singh wins the uh, PNC Father-Son Championship uh, at 26 under. They shot 13 under in the final round. Uh, Team Daly also shot 13 under in the final round, but they finished two shots back at 24 under. Big John and Little John uh, tying for second with the Thomases. Uh, did you guys like watching the PNC, T-Dub? I did like watching the PNC. I did. I think, obviously, Tiger and Charlie were the main attraction, but I feel like even if they didn't play, I, I would tune in and watch a little bit of it, even competing with a little football. I'll turn it over if, uh, you know, just see a couple shots. And it's cool to see younger kids coming up, like Annika's son um, coming up, because he may end up being a really good player. He's only like 11 years old or something like that. He's, he's a little bitty tight. So it, it's really cool to see things like that. And it's cool to also see, the legends of the game, the Trevinos and uh, you know, the Gary players and all that go out there and, and do it. So, yeah, I don't know, Woody. I absolutely love uh, watching the event. I think it's really good. And uh, I don't know if necessarily the father-son is the way to do it, but I would like seeing more more events like this on a, on a, not necessarily a regular basis, but a couple times a year. Well, it is good to see the older guys and with their bodies and everything else to try to figure out how to be able to still play. The talent is always still there. VJ Singh's incredible. I mean, He's, he's always had that ability to make that big, long golf swing. He still pounds it out there a long way. So um, they weren't my pick. I didn't think there was any chance those two were going to be the guys that end up winning. But as it worked out daily, I think if daily would have been healthy, they could have won again. But but Big John, he, he looked worse than Tiger. I mean, this was a – this was this was like the EMTs needed to be on call. I was waiting for anybody to go down at any time. It was just, it was just unbelievable how bad some of these guys looked. I mean, now John Daly deserves to be looking bad. I mean, he's fat. He's overweight. He's he's not a specimen by any stretch of the imagination. So he he stresses his body as bad as bad as anybody can. So fun tournament. I like I'm like you, T Dub. I like watching it. I think that's special and. uh you know, kudos to those guys that have those boys that can play a little bit. And they, good entertainment. Good entertainment for December. It was great entertainment. And there is Woody's recap of the EMT, I mean, the the, the PNC championship <laughs> uh, down in Florida. Team Singh takes it. Guys, my final thoughts on that were the fact that not only can VJ still play, but Cass Singh is basically like a grown man. I don't know how fair it is when Justin Thomas is playing with an old man and Tiger's playing with a teenager and, you know, John Daly. It, it, I, John Daly did have a great partner in Little John. Uh, so it was kind of between Singh and Daly to begin the tournament, really, if, if Singh is going to play, if Big Singh is going to play like that. So I did find it definitely entertaining, guys. We had to do a short first segment here because our whole second segment is going to be our holy awards and you're not going to want to miss it we have a ton of awards to give away here coming up after the break on the 73rd hole the official podcast of golf oklahoma but before we do that woody i do want the listeners to know about our friends at quail creek bank ah the guys at quail creek bank 
Merry Christmas to them if they're listening. If you haven't gone to a bank or you're looking to change banks or if you've just moved into town and looking for a bank, Quail Creek Bank, no ATM fees, uh, family-owned run business, and you know it is because they're so kind to everybody comes through that door. You're looking for a personal loan, and you want somebody that'll know the name of you and your family, and and really make taking care of you make it seem simple. It's Quail Creek Bank, right on 122nd May Avenue. You can't miss them. Go see those guys at Quail Creek Bank. You're you're cheating yourself if you don't. Definitely, we'll be right back on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. And we are back rolling along here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Go get all of your local golf news from GolfOklahoma.org. Kim McLeod, Chris Swafford doing a great job up in Tulsa. You're going to have you know full access from the Live event coming up this summer at Cedar Ridge and a bunch more like always, on GolfOklahoma.org. And also, our other partner, the sports animal, my dad, the hump man, Craig Humphreys, had Charles Howell III on his show this morning, and it was a great interview. If you didn't hear it, you can check it out on WWS, the sports animal app. It's in your app stores, and go to podcast. You can check out that interview as well as the 73rd Hole podcast is on there as well so guys let's get to the holy awards boys this is one of the most prestigious award shows not only in all of sports and all of golf it's one of the most prestigious award shows in all of the world i would say it rivals the oscars t-dub this is probably my favorite day of the year when we get to look back on all the crazy stuff that happened in 2022 and just give out awards and and say shout out to you. So T Dub, where do you want to start with the Holy Awards? I'll let you pick the first award to give out. We'll each give out our nominees. And the way this works, guys, is if two people have the same nominee, then that person, that player, or whoever automatically wins the Holy Award. If we have three different nominees, then we deliberate and decide on who wins. So, T-Dub, what award is given out first? 
I cannot wait. I've waited for this day all year. This is going to be absolutely magnificent. Cannot wait. Where do I start? It's one of the toughest decisions I've had in my entire life, but here we go. I'm going to get it figured out. Let's go ahead and let's start with one that is an absolute classic that we have from last year, and I'll go ahead and explain the award just in case no one understands it. This is called the Mark Wilson Award. It is dedicated to our favorite moment from the Honda, the Honda Classic. The reason we celebrate this award is because Paul Azinger decided to highlight how great Mark Wilson's win was at the Honda Classic and just completely shit on every single European Tour player there ever was. So let's go ahead and get on to the award. I'm going to go by nominee. It's going to be Shane Lowry's tight second there at the on the 18th hole. He made a par, which did not get him in a playoff. But nevertheless, it was my highest finish in the one-and-done by far because my one-and-done was absolutely atrocious. So that has to be my nominee because it was the only thing that was the highlight of my one-and-done all year, Sam. Well... I feel like Sepp Straka might win a different award today, so I'm going with Sepp Straka battling the monsoon on the 18th hole. Woody, what are you going with from the Honda Classic? It's funny. I thought the same thing, Sam. I, because I had played the PGA there in 87, I was, I was as much impressed he had six irons to the green. I hit three wood and thought I hit two real good shots. Uh, he's hitting six irons. But he's hitting it in a freaking downpour. I mean, it was unbelievable. What a clutch shot. <laughs> and then to two-putt as good as he did, it's a Straka for me. Sepp Straka is your Mark Wilson Award winner for favorite moment at the Honda Classic. If you do not get the inside joke, we used to joke around when Colby was on the show, especially about how Paul Azinger treats the Honda Classic like his masters. So big congratulations to Sepp Straka winning the Mark Wilson Award, guys. Uh, let's go next with the Justin Rose Award, guys. That is the favorite European player of the year. T-Dub, start us off. This one was a tough one. Had, had a lot of good nominees in there. Might have leaned towards Rory, but he was a little too strong with the PJ Tour at some times. It came off as a little fake, so so I didn't go there. I'm going to go with, he's not he's he's not probably a tie up there for, for the uh, close to favorite European, but he definitely is most improved. That's why I'm going with him. That's Mr. Skill, Matty Fitt. He's won me over. I don't hate on him as much as I used to after his comments for Bryson Chambeau, and he ended up breaking through with his U.S. Open win, so... I am going with Matty Fitz Woody. I'm I'm going to go with Shane Lowry only because I just love his attitude. Yeah. How he gets pissed off when he gets bad, or, you know, he just got those emotions. He, he's he's the guy. Rory's easy to pick, but I went with Shane Lowry, Sam. Guys, this is recency biased, I know, but I do have to mention it on this show that. My guy from UMKC, Antoine Rosner, did get a win at the Afrasia Bank Mauritius Open on Sunday. Uh, that earned him $180,000, and he shot 70, 64, 68, 67 to finish at 19 under and win the tournament by five. So give me my guy from France, even though France didn't win the World Cup, France did win the Afrasia Bank uh, Open. Shout out to my fellow Rue, Woody, Antoine Rosner. So, uh, I feel like T-Dub probably wins this one. you you got to give it to the guy that yeah. probably won the major, right, Woody? So, Matty Fitz, Mr. Yeah. Skill, 
wins yeah, our Justin it. Rose Award for Favorite European Player of the Year, T-Dub. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah you get it. Yeah, T-Dub's got him. Yeah, not too bad. I, you know, the recency bias almost got me because, uh, you know, Matty Fitz and Shane Lowry both have a major already. So uh, your boy Tony Rosner needs something comparable to that on his mantle, and the holy would have been just that. All right, guys, we got to go on here. We have our Lucas Glover Award. And if you don't know what the Lucas Glover Award is, it's the worst putt of the year. T-Dub, what is your nominee? The, the only question is, was it was it Scotty Scheffler's par putt or his bogey putt on the 72nd hole of the Masters? That's the <laughs> That's only exactly question we have. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Which one is it? Woody. Either one of those. Y'all decide. <laughs> Woody, it has to be that. Woody, what's yours? He's, he's, he's kind of got one. Uh, there was another worst putt by it. was Scotty Scheffler at the PGA. He was on the front of the green on number eight, and he hit it up there, and he left it about uh, 40 feet short from 20 feet. It, it, it did bounce really big on him, but I, I'm kind of like T-Dub. I like it at the, at the worst putts at the Masters. <laughs> That is hilarious because <laughs> I thought be. the exact same thing. Uh, you have to give it to Scotty Scheffler, something no one will ever really remember that Scotty doubled the last hole at Augusta, but I feel like he might remember it. Uh, and he, he three putts from two feet uh, to win the Masters, guys. I know that he got the green jacket, but he also gets the Lucas Glover Award for worst putt of the year. Congratulations to Scotty Scheffler. Uh, guys, let's go to an obvious one, I think. Although, this one might get contentious a little bit. Uh, the Cam Smith Award for Australian of the Year, T-Dub. Who is your nominee? I, I don't know if it's right to give the award to the person who the award's named after. But, but after what happened down at the Australian Open where he uh, – or down in Australia, those two events where he won and then he, uh, he barely made his tee time because he was out at the bars just getting absolutely <laughs> plastered. And then, and then didn't able to make the, uh, the Saturday cut. So uh, it has to be Cam Smith for, for my vote. I'm going to tell you. I, I got to tell you, that's Cam. I'm going with Cam too, guys. I, I thought one of you guys might go with Greg Norman just because he was in the news every single day in 2022, but you have to give it to Cam Smith. Open champion and Cam Smith award winner. Uh, that is hilarious. Cam Smith goes home with the Australian of the year, guys. Uh, T-Dub, let's uh, wrap up some loose ends here. We have Mr. Irrelevant which is based on our criteria here. It's OWGR number 125. So last year it was Mr. Irrelevant. This year I feel like considering our criteria of OWGR 125, we should rename this award to Mr. Really Irrelevant, T-Dub. Who is that this year? A hundred percent. That's exactly what I'm going to put in here. Mr. The Mr. Really Irrelevant Award for OWGR number 125, goes to Mr. Sean Norris, who, who is currently a live player, but Sean Norris will most be known for playing in Saturday's round uh, at Southern Hills, the PGA this year, with Tiger Woods, which unfortunately may be the last competitive round Tiger ever plays at Southern. So for me, that is what Sean Norris will most be remembered by, besides his holy for Mr. Really Irrelevant this year. Congratulations uh, to Mr. Really Irrelevant, Sean Norris. Woody, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I had a close second with Jonathan Vegas at 127. When I went through and looked at those guys, when I looked at some of the names, 
that were in that maybe 120 to 130. I was like, I don't, I don't know any of them. I know some of their names, but I didn't even know they were still playing golf. I didn't even know Jonathan Vegas was still playing. I had to go and pull up his record. He did play a couple of fairly good tournaments this year, but I'm going, wow, this, this, that's irrelevant. Yeah, bingo. All right, guys, let's go to the Bryson DeChambeau Award for Biggest Bomb of the Year. I, and I just did that. I, I don't feel like uh, – I don't think last year we had Bryson's name on this, but after his drive last year at Bay Hill, I feel like biggest bomb of the year has to be the Bryson DeChambeau Award. However, this year, for biggest bomb, I am going with the Harold Varner bomb in Saudi Arabia from the front of the green to win the tournament earlier this year before he went to live, T-Dub. I'm switching it up. It's a putt, but it's still a bomb. Hey, I like it. That that definitely categorizes as a bomb. So he made he made a bomb on the Saudi tour before he even went over to live. So how about that accomplishment? My biggest bomb of the year. I didn't go necessarily the strategic route you did, Sam. But I'm going to go with two drives I saw at the PJ Championship this year that I don't know if I'll ever be able to see that greatness again. It was Rory McIlroy. I believe it was in the second round at Southern. Hole number four and hole number five. I think number five was probably a little bit better, so I'll go ahead and nominate that one. He had to both on number four. He basically drove it in the bunkers up in front of the green. He was like three yards away from him, and then on five, he was about two hundred yards out. He took it over the driving room, and this ball. I'm surprised it even still landed. That was how high and hard it was hit. So Woody, I, I, I don't know which one of those drives I would pick. Probably number five. So I'm definitely picking Rory for biggest bomb of the year. I like both of your guys. You know, I went a different route. But I didn't even think about who was hitting the furthest drive or longest putt. I just thinking who was the biggest bomb of the year, and it was Ricky Fowler, meaning he just he was a donk. He just didn't come through at all. He's a bomb, from my opinion. But that's not what we were really looking for. But I had to put that in there just for my two cents. I'm pulling for Ricky in 23, but he was a bomb in 22. I gotta tell you, if if we Got to go with drives. I'm, I'm, I'm with T. Dub on that drive. It's probably hit on five at, a, at Southern Hills because, you know, we went up there and played in October, and I'm thinking, how did he do this? I was playing the front uh, senior tees, and I'm not going that route. So, um, I like both of them, but I'm going to hate to tell you, but I'm going to go with. We're going to go with drivers. I'm going to go with that one on uh, number five. That means that Rory McIlroy is your Bryson DeChambeau Bomb of the Year champion uh guys one more uh one more award that is already given based on criteria would be the most average season strokes gained total who is in the middle of 2022 t-dub well due to technicality that there were 193 um uh, players counted for strokes gained when you divide that down the middle it was 90 was at 96.5 so we have two winners that goes the first one goes to russell knox and the second one goes to Ryan Palmer for most average season. So congratulations, guys, on being extremely mediocre. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself there, T-Dub. Uh, let's go to a popular one here. Woody, I'll start with you. Best fan of the year. Who is it? There's no doubt who that is. It's the Michelob guy. And that's a, that's a, 100%. Come on, boys. That was no easy. Doubt. 100%. It was the easiest award all year. Easiest one. Mick Love guy, what an absolute legend. He will live in infamy as being one of the absolute heroes of our lifetime. 100% Mick Love Ultra deserves this, and he might have won it next year just because he continued over and did. It was such a legend. 
without a doubt. <laughs> Guys, a decade from now, when I think back at Southern Hills, I'll think of Will Zalatoris and Mito Pereira and obviously Justin Thomas and then Michelob Ultra Guy. That's how popular yeah. Michelob Ultra Guy was that week at Southern Hills. And we were lucky enough to talk to him here on the 73rd hole. Here's a short clip of our interview with Michelob Ultra Guy. He's joining us here on the 73rd hole. Now, you might recognize him more as the gentleman who went viral for holding his $18 Michelob Ultra as Tiger Woods <laughs> hit a golf shot at the PGA Championship. Everyone else has a nice, tiny, grainy video that they can watch on their phones. But our guy Mark has this image for life. Mark, what have the last five days been like as you went crazy viral from the PGA Championship, essentially for just watching the golf, uh, not through your phone? It's been crazy. It's been absolutely crazy. I, it's something that's been unbelievable. Never in my wildest dreams did I think standing there watching Tiger Woods uh, hit a shot and me holding a beer that it would turn into this. It's just been it's been a lot of fun, but it's it's been crazy. Now, Mark, I think the question everyone wants us to ask is, number one, did you get your $18 back either in beer from Michelob Ultra or in a sponsorship or somehow uh, get those $18 back for that legendary beer you were holding? Well, not yet. They, they, they're promising me, as they said, copious amounts of beer and <laughs> merchandise and, and the potential to go to other PGA events. So... I am waiting, so we'll see what happens. No, no, Mark, I got, I got two questions. One is that, have you ever paid $18 for a beer before in your life, or did this set a record? This did set a record. I will say that it did. Uh, I will say, just in defense, it was 25 ounces. So, uh, you know, it, by the time uh, you, you got done drinking, hopefully you got $18 worth uh of $18 worth of beer, but, uh, you know, you look at what you pay at the ballpark. I was trying to equate it saying, well, you pay eight or $9 for a 12 ounce beer, you know, you double it, you possibly could be, uh, you know, $18, but yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people were questioning that. And, uh, one of the comments was the, I didn't have a phone because I had to sell it in order to pay for my beer. <laughs> That's probably a good point. Now, was that was that your first and only beer of the round, Mark, or was that number two or three that we didn't see? What what was the official count? Well, it was it was one thirty. Uh, you know when uh, uh, Tiger teed off, so I'm I, I guarantee it was not my first. But uh, you know they didn't start selling beer until about ten o'clock. Matter of fact, I was with my my brother and my nephew and a good friend, and they. We got there about nine o'clock, and they tried to buy a beer, but it, they wouldn't sell to men. So you know, uh, so I, I'm sure it was probably uh, two or three down the road. Now, Mark, I'm curious. When did you realize you were going viral? I, I've never really talked to someone who has gone viral viral for something they really didn't know that they were going viral for. So, how long did it take from the time that Tiger hit that shot on Friday for you to realize you're now a superstar on Twitter? Well, it, was, it started about 7 o'clock that night. Uh, you know, Tiger hits a shot maybe about 1.30, 1.45. Uh, after we stayed at the tournament till around 7, 7.30, walked over to another bar down the street and was just sitting there and, with the, like I said, with my brother and nephew and a friend, just lit up. And at about 7 o'clock, uh, I kind of realized that – and, again, I'm not a big social media guy. 
But uh, they were, and they just were showing me everything. That's five days, and Ultra got a Nickelodeon Ultra got a hold of me, and it's uh, as they say, the rest is kind of history. Now, Mark, I think the all-American question is: Are you iPhone, Android, or flip phone? What kind of phone do you have? Since we don't know the answer. Well, I, I am an Android guy. Now, my kids all yell at me and tell me I need to be an iPhone guy because, uh, you know, they, 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 they don't like Android. But uh, I've been an Android guy. And, uh, matter of fact, another, uh, another comment on the uh, uh, Twitter was uh, I probably, the last phone I bought was probably at Radio Shack in 1994. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Mark, that leads into my next question. I'm curious, did it ever cross your mind to pull your phone out in that fateful moment? You know, no. I, I, I did have it out after the ball. You know, the, unfortunately, the Aaron shot hit a guy like two over from us, just nailed this guy in the arm. He's screaming like his arm's broken, <laughs> and the ball bounced right by my feet. And so when Tiger was coming up, I took some pictures as he came up. But then, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm not very good with my phone and the video and stuff, and I've always kind of, hey, as they say, live in the moment and wanted to watch him hit the ball because it was a tough second shot. And then also they had a sign. They had signs up that said, do not take pictures of anybody or any player within a hundred yards. Well, as you see, nobody paid attention to that. <laughs> I, I, put my, I put my phone down and just held on to my beer. Yeah. Well, Hey, you followed the rules and uh, you got social media famous for it. Mark, we appreciate you taking a few minutes to have some fun with us. Uh, enjoy being a, a viral sensation. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day. Thanks. Thank have a good so lunch. Much, oh, man. That was Mark, right. the, uh, the Michelob Ultra guy from the PGA Championship, joining us here on the 73rd hole. Great, great interview there from Michelob Ultra guy. Guys, let's go to another popular one here. The Darren Clark Award for Dad Strength of the Year. T-Dub, who is your nominee? This was one I thought I would have to think about, but then once I came to the conclusion, I realized I didn't. And, and the award goes to another guy we saw at the PJ Championship. That's Bo Hostler. This guy practiced from sunup to sundown every round leading up to this tournament. It was unbelievable. I did not know that you could even practice this much in general, let alone the week of a major championship, Woody. I, I, I don't. Bo Hostler has to, has to be this winner for me. Who do you got, Woody? He's a good one. He's a good one. You know, uh, there was a couple, I thought, that, that Harry Higgs and, 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 uh, Joel Diamond on uh, the 16th hole at TPC uh, where they took their shirts off. And that looks like something a dad do. <laughs> I mean, that, was just, uh, that was over the top. So I'm going to go with Harry Higgs. I'm going with Harry Higgs, too. Not Joel Damon because Joel Damon is not winning a holy award on my watch. So we're going straight with Harry Higgs for taking his shirt off at the Waste Management Championship. That's going to be a fun tournament next year on Super Bowl weekend, as always. Uh, guys, let's go to our most random winner of the year, T-Dub. Who is your holy award nominee? On the PGA Tour, I think it would be J.J. Spawn at TPC San Antonio. Literally no one, I believe, saw that coming. His odds to win were impeccable. But two two winners on the list, I think, stand out are, are Henrik Stinson the week after he left the Ryder Cup or Ryder Cup captaincy and, and then wins that next week up at, 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 at Trump's course. And then Chikar uh, won over in uh, in Thailand. So uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to give it to Ch- Chikar, Woody. That was one that I did not see coming whatsoever. I'm going to go with Stinson, believe it or not, what you said, because 
I figured he, I didn't figure he'd play worth a lick, and especially after they kicked him out of being the Ryder Cup captain. And it's almost like he found a different gear to say to everybody, I right, kiss my little fanny, I'm going to go out and win this thing then. And he did, and, I, and he didn't play good after it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going with Stinson. I was going with Stinson too, guys. That week was unbelievable because, you know, Everybody talked about at the time about is this an exhibition or is this, you know, real golf? Well, the crazy part about it was that, yes, Henrik Stinson had sucked all year and all last year, but that one week he played like a top five player in the world. It was unbelievable. It was absolutely, absolutely unexpected and random. So, we might have to name this award after Henrik Stinson. It might have to just be the Henrik Stinson Award for most random winner, guys. Congratulations. Y'all, to y'all Hen- talk me into it, yep. To- y'all talk me into it. Yep, absolutely. We're renaming this Henrik Stinson Award. Absolutely. Yeah, it was out of nowhere. Absolutely, guys. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to the Chesson Hadley Award for Worst Chip of the Year, T-Dub. <laughs> Boy, this, this is this was a tough one. This was one that that last year Chesson Hadley made so simple because he uh, he just uh, flat out uh, put, hit a hybrid when he was forty feet away from the green, had thirty feet of green to work with, and, and then hit it to fifteen feet and, uh, and and wasn't able to do it. So <laughs> I, I honestly I didn't know where to go with this. In all honesty, I do remember I saw Tiger at, at Southern. It had a really really bad shot. I believe it was on the fourth hole. He hit it from one bunker to the other and, and couldn't stay on the green. So, unfortunately, th- just because it was the one that really stood out the most to me and one I didn't see coming, I give, I'm giving this one to Tiger. Well, I gave it to Scotty Scheffler because, I don't know if you guys remember that one tip he hit at Brookline. He just laid the saw over it. And for a world-class player, and I never see Scotty Scheffler chip a ball as bad as he did this. He didn't move it, you know, six feet, looked like to me. So... I went with Scotty Shepard of Bookline. Guys, I love our man Javi, but I got to go with Javi on this one. It was at Bay Hill in the final round, and he is making a run up the leaderboard, and all of a sudden he hits it up there 30 yards from the green and walks away with six guys and takes himself out of the tournament. There wasn't a really glaring, horrible chip this year. Uh, so, guys, where do you want to go with this one? I kind of like... I kind of like T-Dubs. I kind of like Woody's. I kind of like mine. I'll, I'll let uh, T-Dub decide this one if you want to. I, I think the tiebreaker should be out of those three who is the, just the worst overall chipper, and I think we know all, we all know the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, that's what you, you – you got to go with that until he shows us something different. So He if, is, though. If, he has go with a little it. bit. He has it's a getting, little it's bit. It's getting better. He's he getting has, better. We, we've got a lot, of, lot more tips to hit before we take him out of that category. And – and where Scotty hit a really bad one, he didn't hit that one that I can think of. Victor's given us a number of occasions that have been anything but stellar. So we're, I hate it for Obey but we're going to have to give him that. Yeah, I think he deserved that award. Well, I feel like Victor, the way it is trending right now, and I've laid it out on prior podcasts that I think he's going to win not only one time, but a couple times, maybe even a few times in 2023 if he continues to chip the way he has at the start of the 2023 season. So, albeit he's getting better, he still wins the Chesson Hadley Award for worst chip or chips in this situation of the year. Uh, Guys, let's go to best 
facial hair award. And so, T-Dub, I'll let you go first on this one. Well, this gentleman's going to get nominated for another award later on the show, and I want to verify that he gets at least one hole. He may get two of them. I'm going to go with Roger Mulpey on this one. Oh, wow. That's a good one to pull out of your painting there. I like that one. I always like Shane Lowry because he just he looks like he should have a beard. Um, it's too bad we don't <laughs> have that that guy that that Dillette guy that was from uh, Canada still playing because he had the best of anybody. But uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Lowry, but I'm going to probably backtrack to your Roger Malby. I agree, guys. We saw this beard live i didn't get to touch it however the beard was uh smothered in mozzarella sticks in orlando at the pga show guys we got to interview john daly and seeing that beard live it was like seeing it it was like seeing a majestic entity guys like it had its own you know nucleus and all of that it was its own living thing in there uh john (laughs) daly for me is the uh nominee for best facial hair of the year here at the holies well you know sam now that now that i get back and i relive the memory the beard Uh, is so much better in person than (laughs) it than it is in camera the camera does not do the beard justice whatsoever for daily i actually feel sorry for him in all honesty because people don't understand the greatness. So you've talked me into it, Sam. Now that I relive the memory, I also was just slightly inebriated during the interview, but nevertheless, <laughs> it did lead to, to some great... <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm changing the John Daly. I, I, I think you're right on with that. I think you should have had a Santa Claus award because he looks like Santa Claus, but the one thing we know that that beard could win because Daly can eat two more times after he eats the first time with just what's left in the beard. Oh, yeah. Let me just tell you this. If, if you were going to clean that beard, I'd want a hazmat suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so John Daly is the Holy Award winner for uh, best facial hair of the year. John Daly continues to win awards even at his age guys this is going to be an interesting one because i don't feel like it's going to be tony fee now our next award is runner up of the year i feel like tony fee now actually the one award that he's not going to win from last year is runner up of the year so t-dub who is it this year yeah you're exactly right about fee now he's totally broken off of off his name any contingency on this award for now at least but, uh, you know, he had a couple of names here to nom- nominate. Could have went with Will- with Willie Z or Cam Young for they did in the majors. But I'm going to go with, at the very first live event in London, a guy named, by the name of Henny Duplessis, who's not even on live anymore, finished solo second and made $2.2 million when before that the most he had made is like 130 k or something like through his career. So I am actually going with Honey Duplessis. I, I probably pronounced that wrong. But nevertheless, uh, for making two point two million dollars in one start, not bad, Woody. That's that's a good pick. Uh, I'm I'm proud of you for pulling that one out. I I went the obvious. It was Cam Young to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, good lord, he had five seconds, guys, and a couple of thirds. Uh, so I kind of thought, well, this guy's going to have a big twenty twenty three. He'll win for sure. I thought he was the runner up by far winner. But I like the one you picked, T W. 
I, I like the one T-Dub pick, too. Here's the deal. He already got paid, so I'm going Cam Young. The fact that he finished second at the Sanderson Farms, the Genesis. He finished third at the RBC. He finished second at the Wells Fargo. Finished third at the PGA Championship. Finished second at the Open Championship. And finished tied for second at the Rocket Mortgage. You know what that gets you guys? That gets you a lot of money and a holy award for runner-up of the year. T-Dub, where do you want to go next with our holy awards? Let's go with let's go with a pretty big one. Let's go with worst shot of the year. This is an infamous one that I, I think is going to be an absolute hit, and I'd love to see where you guys are going to go here. I'm, I, I had two at the PGA Championship I thought about going with. Mito's drive on 18 was a strong contender, but I'm going to go with actually the winner of the tournament in that same round. Justin Thomas cold-blooded shanked it off of the 6T box and about killed like 30 fans sitting over there by three greens. Everyone thought they were just fine. Or, but, but, but no, they were in complete danger and should have evacuated the area. But nevertheless, JT made a bogey there. But Woody, that is my nominee for worst shot of the year. That 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 was right there. I went with Mito, though, in Oregon went with Mito because it cost him a major. I mean, the shank was just a bad golf shot, but everybody everybody's played professional golf or any golf has hit a shank in their lifetime. So uh, I'm going Mito. I'm sorry. That one was just too expensive not to. Gosh, that's hard because I was kind of debating between those two guys. And so to me, I am going to go with just – Based on the golf shot, I am going to go Justin Thomas. Now, anytime I step on to the sixth tee box at Southern Hills, I am just mortified that I'm going to shank it over there. Like T-Dub said, and the fact that he went on to win the golf tournament, really, really impressive. He won the golf tournament. He also, guys, wins the award for worst shot of the year. Pretty impressive to do both of those things uh, in the same sentence. Uh, T-Dub, what's our next Holy Award? So, and, and, and real quick before the next Holy, I just realized something. Before the Twitter haters come at us and say it's two green at Southern, not three green, I just misspoke. So don't want anyone to get that misspoke. That's right. So we're going to go with fun, fun fact of, of, of the year. Let's go with fun fact of the year. I actually saw this only about a week ago. So this is a little bit of recency bias, but I think it's absolutely astounding. Rory McIlroy is currently number one in the world. I believe he's ranked fourth overall in, in terms of weeks. He's been a number one, 115 total weeks. For him to match the total amount of weeks Tiger was number one, which was 683, you would have to stay number one from this date all the way to November of 2033 to equal that 2033. Are you kidding me? That's 11 years from now. That's, that's by far the, the biggest fun fact of the year, Woody. I could not believe it when I did the math. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. That that really is. I, I never knew that one. Um, you know, that was one that guys that kind of – I didn't really have a good one. I hate to even say that or admit it, but um, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really see anything. I, I, I'll tell you what. I fun facts of the year. I looked around at some of the rankings and some of the guys that hit some of the most greens and did some stuff that was pretty impressive. Does the name Hayden Buckley mean anything to you all? It actually does, Woody. I played against him a bunch yes. in college. He played at Missouri while I played at UMKC. The only difference between me and him was he was winning trophies and I wasn't. Well, you know, I just didn't know the name at all. But I was amazed he was fifty ranked 57th in the world as far as uh, overall, his points. I mean, he was crazy a lot better not I mean I'm thinking I don't even know this guy and he's 57 so that was my kind of fun fact of the year when I was just digging around I thought 
well, that's amazing. I, I should know this dude, but I don't. <laughs> so it might not be a very good one. Guys, my fun fact of the year here, I talked about it uh, when I hosted Traber's show. Dustin Johnson is ranked 41st in the official world golf ranking. That's a fun fact. T-Dub? That's that a very a good point. That, that That's a very strong contender. And it goes back to the Mr. Really Irrelevant Award, doesn't it? So, I mean, that, all the holies are all connected at this point. The holies are all connected. Now, we're not saying Duster, Dustin Johnson's anywhere close to Mr. Irrelevant, but as long as the official world golf ranking doesn't change, the official world golf rankings are irrelevant. Right, Woody? Yeah, I think I'll tell you another one that I had written down also besides Hayden Buckley because he was he – was I pulled him out twice. A fun fact of the year, do you guys realize that in January, let's say or about February, March area – you know who they thought was the up-and-comer on the PGA Tour and everybody had their eyes on him? Taylor Gooch. That's right. He's I 40th. Was reading, I was reading some articles about it, and uh, a fun fact is, is how fast they turned on him. When he went to live, he was no longer mentioned. In January, February, March, leading up before he bailed to go to live, everybody was talking about Taylor Gooch was the up-and-coming new guy on the PGA Tour that we are all going to watch. And then, man, they just you never heard no word, <laughs> nothing. So that was kind of a fun fact for me also, that how big and how high they were on him, and then boom, gone. All right, boys, where are we going with this one? I, 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 I kind of like your – mine's a very strong contender because it's just so astronomically unbelievable. It really is. But, but, also, right. the, but also the fact that uh, DJ's going to get nominated for an award here in a little bit for me, and it's going to connect again. So I'm going to give it to DJ. I think DJ's got this one because he should not be 41st in the world at all. It's an absolute joke. Dustin Johnson is your fun fact of the year award winner. <laughs> Congratulations to Dustin Johnson uh, on getting his second win uh, since moving to live. Guys, let's, uh, let's go to Woody's. Let's go to our favorite Woody story of the year for our Holy Awards. T-Dub, where are you going with this one? Woody, I feel like told a story on every single show uh, where are you going with this one? You could go anywhere. Uh, th- this was this was by far the hardest, the holy to give out. This was this was this was like climb, climbing Mount Everest to find to find a good the best one. But I have to go with the the, the, the infamous time that Woody got fined on the PJ Tour. The only time he got fined on the PJ Tour at the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am, where he decided to uh, evacuate the moving van and yell across the fairway to uh, to Payne Stewart, if my memory serves uh, correctly. And it led to a, a future phone call being led his way and a discussion being held uh, about a fine of uh, a punishment from the tour. So, I, I don't know, Sam. I feel like that that's a strong contender. But I'd love to hear uh, what Woody's is, but I want to hear yours first, Sam. Well, I don't <laughs> – my favorite story didn't even involve Woody, but Woody told it, so I'm going to give it uh, give it my nominee here. My favorite Woody story was the time his friend was playing in Houston uh, with the two guys, and he hits it in the trees, and the guy that he had just met that day said, you're not going to find that ball. <laughs> and they had, speaking of evacuate, they had to evacuate uh, the golf club in Houston. Uh, Woody, I know this is kind of a hard award, but what is your favorite story that you told throughout the year? Oh gosh, yeah, because you guys, you, you you make me do some really stupid things on this show to tell some stories that I really shouldn't tell. I still like the fact that I'm the only guy that 
played with seven clubs in Australia and shot eight under par. <laughs> oh, that was, strong. that was my number two. That was my number two. With walking with uh, just walking with seven clubs. So, um, and the only reason why I like that one so much is because I was there with that PTA official from the Australian tour. He, he's probably dead and gone by now, but I know he hated me for the rest of my life. So uh, he was probably not pulling for me ever. But I, I would go with my Australia. But I don't know. You got that's a tough one for me. I, I'm the one telling the story. So that's why you should you should be the one deciding the winner. And, and like I said, that was my number two because that was uh, that's going to live in absolute infamy and it lived in legend down in Australia, according to Ian Baker Finch. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I said. That one carried me the furthest. I mean, getting almost getting a fight with a, in Hawaii when the guy was tearing up the greens and I was tapping down the fight marks. That was a good one too. Because <laughs> not, not, not very many people have been on the PGA Tour threatening to whip somebody else's ass that's on the PGA Tour with them. So uh, I'm sorry, boys, that I give you so many to choose from. I don't know if that's good or bad for me. <laughs> Woody <laughs> considers the Australian, uh, the Austra- what was it, Woody? What, it was what tournament well, in Australia? It was qualifying for the yeah, Australian, right. uh, uh, the, the, the Coca-Cola Classic in Australia at the time. That, it was a qualifying round that I played with those seven clubs. That's right. That's right. And if you want to hear that story or a quick snippet of that story, uh, here it is. I went to Australia one time. And so if you guys want a long flight on an airplane, go to Australia. It was 15 hours and 40 minutes and it's 747. Oh nonstop wow. from Los Angeles to Sydney. Okay. So I empathize with Cam Smith because he flew from Jacksonville, Florida, where he lives, all the way across the United States to get to L.A. And then from L.A. down to, uh, I think he might have flown into Sydney before he headed over to the other location, dragging the Claret Jub with him the whole way. That's got to be fun. Uh, That's unbelievable he did that. But in 88, I had missed the qualifying school by one stroke. And you want to talk about heartbreak, boys, because there was no other place to play in the United States. It was either get on tour or you were done. There was nothing like, uh, as it turned out, they had the Hogan and the Nike. And we've had a lot of names of that, that tour, but there were nowhere to go. So I loaded up on an airplane and I flew to Australia. You Monday qualified like you used to on the PGA Tour. It wasn't difficult. Let me just tell you guys. You could get in most golf tournaments if you could shoot anything around par or even one or two over because there just wasn't anybody playing. And if you made the cut, you were going to be exempt the next week. So the first tournament I got in, I I qualified, but I didn't make the cut. So the second tournament we were going to was was called the Coca-Cola Classic, but it was being played at Royal Melbourne, which I wanted so badly, you know, to get to play Royal Melbourne. It's just, you know, it was even in the late 80s, it was iconic, and you you know about it today still. Well, we went to a qualifier on a Monday at a local golf course. And the PGA, the Australian PGA, ran these qualifiers. Well, we went and we teed off. And it was kind of weird because what you, what you had is it was a golf course that was closed normally to a membership. So we had pull carts that we drug our bags around. And, and uh, not knowing any different, I took a staff bag. I took a big golf bag thinking I was a golf pro, you know. Well, hindsight, you shouldn't have done that. You should have taken a little bag, but I didn't know all this. So, anyway, we go out on the Monday. I see the even par. I qualify. I think, wow, it's great. Well, 
on this trip, believe it or not, was also Jeff Maggard and Michael Bradley, which those two names probably still, to some people, they'll recognize, especially Maggard. Well, I come out to the golf course to get Bradley and Maggard because they had played later, and I knew I'd qualified at even part. There's no way I wasn't going to get in. And Maggard and Bradley are standing there shaking their heads. They go, boy, what a cluster. And I go, what do you guys talking about? And they said, well, they said that a bunch of guys played from the wrong tees. So we're going to have to re-qualify on Tuesday. And I said, what? And they said, yeah, they're talking about us. we got to come back on Tuesday and try to qualify again. I said, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I said, what in the hell was going on here? Why don't they just disqualify the guys that played from the wrong tees? And they said, well, they're not going to do it. you got to come back on Tuesday. Well, so I'm pissed, to say the least. So I, I find one of their officials, and he don't like me by the time the conversation's over, and I don't care. So we come back on the Tuesday, guys. Well, on Tuesday, the membership is now playing the golf course. <laughs> so we can't go off early. We got to go off later. And now there's no pull carts because all the members have taken the pull carts. And I'm looking around going, I'm thousands of miles from home. I'm mattering a wet hen. What am I going to do? You know? So I look up, think to myself, and I thought, well, heck, when you were a kid, you played with what we call a beginner set which is a three iron, a five iron, a seven iron, a nine iron. You throw a wedge in your bag. You take a driver and a putter. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, hell, I played the golf course. I know what clubs to hit. I'm going to put me together a beginner set. <laughs> so I take those clubs out of my golf bag, literally, guys. I take a sleeve of golf balls and a towel, and I head to the first tee. Well, I walk up on the first tee, and one of the guys I played with, we're playing the same group again, of course, and – one guy was from Japan. He couldn't speak any English, none whatsoever. All they did is we nodded at each other all day. <laughs> and there was a guy from Phoenix, Arizona with me. And I walk up on the tee, and I've got these clubs slung over my shoulder. And I just throw them down on the ground. And he looks at me and goes, what the hell are you doing? I said, well, I can't carry that big staff bag. I won't make it. I'm not a caddy. I'm a golf pro. I said, I played the golf course. I'm going to play with just these clubs. He goes, that's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. And I said, well, I, I'm going to give it my best shot. That's the best chance I think I got. Well, about 13 holes into this round, guys, I'm seven under par. <laughs> and all I'm doing is walking around just throwing these clubs down and fumbling through them until I find the club that I think right now I'll, I'll hit a shot. Well... <laughs> By the time we get to the 14th hole, the PGA official that I dreamed his ass the day before is in a golf cart watching me. So I finished that round of golf, boys, and shoot eight under par with seven golf clubs. <laughs> the guy from Phoenix says, I'm going home because I've got a full set and you just beat me by 12 shots. I'm, I don't belong in this league. The guy from Japan thought I was a god because all he did was get all of his buddies around pointing over at me and showing how I was throwing my clubs down. And basically all I kept hearing was, wow. So I think he thought I was pretty special, too. But the PGA guy from Australia wasn't all that fired up. He calls me over to the side again. I thought, oh, geez, what a, what's this going to be? And he said, that was one fine round of golf, but I'm not sure we're going to let you play. I said, what? And he said, well, we think you're making a mockery of our tour. 
by doing that. So we're not sure we're going to let you play in the golf tournament. What? I said, you're serious, the stupidest right? thing ever. Goes, yeah, I'm serious. And I, I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I said, did I cheat in any way? Was there anything about that round? Did anybody in my group say I was cheating in any way? He goes, no, no, we know you shot eight under, but you're embarrassing us. And I said, embarrassing you? Well, how about embarrassing? How about what you did yesterday when you morons <laughs> couldn't figure out how to get everybody to play from the same team? So anyway, we had a heated discussion, <laughs> at which point I said, I'll tell you what, dude, if I don't play as Royal Melbourne on Thursday, I will make it a point to write everybody I know in the United States and the world to tell you, tell them just how bunch of bogus this is, how big of idiots you all are. He said, well, we'll get back with you. Well, uh, when, I, when I got done, though, Bradley and Margaret were, they're just laughing. They said, only you, Woody, you crazy son of a bitch. Only you. Would do. <laughs> and I said, well, long story short, they did let me play, guys. And I ended up finishing in the top 10 in the Coca-Cola Classic, okay, because so, I played some really good golf. <laughs> I played two more weeks. I probably told them to go, you know, F themselves, and I flew home. Well, the great <laughs> thing about that story is, guys, two years later, I'm in the Canadian Open, and I'm paired with Ian Baker Finch. And I introduced myself to Ian Baker Finch, who is from Australia, and he said, Woodward, holy shit. He said, you aren't the guy that two years ago played at the Coca-Cola Classic qualifying with seven clubs, were you? I said, yep, that'd be me. He goes, oh, my God, you're a god in Australia. (laughs) 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 We're talking about it to this day. So once again, Woody went to a whole other continent and left his mark before he went on about his way. So that is my Australian story that will – still go down in the annals. I guarantee you there's still somebody down there will tell you about it that will say, yeah, this crazy son of Buck, he was down here and he did this and that. And that. I think the story got embellished. It, at one time it was five clubs, you know, and it, it was, no, it was seven clubs, a sleeve of ball, a towel and a glove. That's what it was. Just a hilarious story there. What a legend. Woody not only qualifying once for the Coca-Cola Championship, but qualifying a second time with seven clubs for the Coca-Cola Championship and finishing top ten in the actual event. What a legend. Our man Jim Woodward is right here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. T-Dub, what do we have next for our Holy Awards? We're getting down to the nitty-gritty, guys. We got a lot of heavy contenders, some of our favorite awards left to give out. Um, let's go ahead and start with those right now. Let's go with the infamous layup with an iron into the hazard award. From our intro, which is by far the best intro of all time on this planet or any other planet, may I say, uh, it is our favorite Phil Mickelson shot of year. And I am going to go with Phil's very first tee shot at the Live London event because it was the first shot that we'd seen him hit in about six months, and that was about six months too long because the reason that he's not playing golf was absolutely stupid to me. So I'm going to go with the first shot that we saw in quite a long time, Woody. I'm going with not a golf shot at all. I'm going with the shot he put right between the eyes of Jay Monahan. 
That's what I'm going with. <laughs> Woody, I'm going <laughs> the same. Perfect. I'm going the same direction. I thought I was going to be the only one to say my favorite <laughs> Phil Mickelson shot of the year was when he said that the PGA Tour magically came up with a hundred million dollars. Uh, <laughs> no, no, so no, no. I, I think that Woody and I win this one. We'll, we'll just go with hundred percent in general. Yeah. We'll go with Phil Mickelson uh, taking shots at the PGA Tour was our favorite Phil Mickelson shot of the year, guys. Uh, We did our worst shot of the year. Speaking of shots of the year, uh, let's go to our best shot we saw all year, T-Dub. I feel like this was probably, besides Mickelob Ultra guy, probably even actually head head over there with Mickelob Ultra guy. It had to have been Woody shot in the ninth hole at Oak Tree East in, in the hashtag NALZ scramble, <laughs> right? Exactly I mean, I mean, holding right. up from what ninety-seven yards right in the hole, spun it back. It's one of the best wedge shots I've ever seen. It, it was unbelievable. I, anytime I practice my wedge game now, I think back to that swing and that action because it was so pure and it was just angelic at its end. So yes, Woody, you have to be the winner here. Okay, I'll go with that because I haven't <laughs> hold on since. And I don't know when the last one I hold. And to have both you guys standing there, I was like, okay, yeah, that's pretty dang good. Yeah, I'm going with that. Oh, man. When he hold that, I was like, yep, he definitely still has has it somewhere, right, guys? We always talk about how it's not as consistent as it used to be, but PGA Tour Woody showed up for one shot on the toughest hole of the tournament and canned it for Eagle on number nine at Oak Tree East for the NALZ scramble. Woody, take us through that shot for us. Well, first off, I usually am hitting that shot for my third shot after I blocked it in the trees and chipped down, but Sam (laughs) happened to hit a bomb. I was driving the cart and I kept looking for the golf ball. I couldn't believe anybody could hit it that far. So once we were that close to the green, I knew I was always used to getting up and down from there for, for making pars. So I thought, what the heck? And I thought, well, I'll just hit me a little drawing, little knockdown 56 and hook it in there a little bit. It's fun and Lo and behold, fell in the hole, and I looked at you two guys, and you're just jumping around like a couple schoolgirls, and I went, that's pretty good, huh? Damn sure was. No (laughs) doubt about it. T-Dub, what do we got next here at the Holies? Let's go with an interesting award. We didn't have this award last year because we didn't know this this, uh, tour was going to come to fruition. So let's go with the most likely to join Live next year award. I am going to go with an Australian, Adam Scott. He made some interesting comments um, a couple days ago about how Seemed like it was not out of the question. Seemed he's committed to the PGA Tour now, but down the line said he may not be. So I'm going to go with Adam Scott on most likely to join Liv next year, Woody. I'm I'm still going to say it's, it, it's Cantley or Shoffley or both. I still think those two are going to pull the trigger. As far as most uh, probable to join Liv, I would probably agree with T-Dub. It's Adam Scott. Now, who do, who would I most want to see? It would be Cantley, Shoffley, or Rom. Um and of, of the guys that I think that would actually go. Uh, but to me, I, I agree with T-Dub here. I think it's probably going to be Adam Scott in 2023 if it does happen. I do I do think that is the, what, what the way it's going to go. And I, I may, maybe not at the start of the year, but maybe halfway through, or at least maybe at the end of the year, I think it's going to happen. Let's go with a pretty big award here, guys. Let's go with player of the year. A lot of ways you could go with this. You go with Cam Smith or Scotty Scheffler. Both were major winners this year. You could go with Rory McIlroy, who was the best analytically by far. 
But I am going to go with the guy who made the most money and the tiebreaker here. When you think player of the year, you got to think about which honey is on their side. And DJ with Paulina is a hell uh, of a gift. So I got to give it to our man Dustin Johnson for player of the year, Woody. Yeah, I thought about that one. I, I went with Cam Smith, and the reason why I did is because he he was playing PGA Tour, and then he jumped right after winning the Open Championship, and everybody was like, what is he doing? Then he comes out and wins on that, live tour, and then he goes down to Australia and probably drinks about 25 gallons of beer <laughs> and still wins another event down there. So the, the boy has played through all kinds of crazy stuff. Plus, he just putts so good. I always love to make him putt. I mean, I, I just, I got to go with him. I tend to agree with Woody. Not only did Cam Smith have a great year all year, he capped it off with an open championship when he was really the only one who knew it was Liv versus the PGA Tour coming down the stretch, and he gets the job done against Rory McIlroy. Not only does he win the open championship, he wins player of the year here on the 73rd hole. Holy awards. T-Dub, what do we got next? You know, guys, this award I came up with at about midnight last night, and I think it's going to be a really good one. It is going to be called the Jim Traber Award, and this one we're going to give for each time that we want to give it up to ourselves Well, how right that we were this year. Sam, you have a lot of contenders because you broke a lot of news this year, but I'm going to go with one that no one seemed to call me out on at all. I was saying for a month that Phil Mickelson was not going to play the PJ Championship, and no one believed me. They said, oh, there's, oh, he's definitely going to play. There's no way. But as soon as I saw that Alan Chipnuck's book was coming out that week, I said, there's no way that, that he's going to play. So, Woody, what what moment of the year do you want to give it up to yourself? Uh, I don't have a moment that I was any good. Um, <laughs> the only thing I'm good at is storytelling <laughs> because I'm terrible at statistics. I'm terrible at looking at who's going to win. Um I'll give me a, the, the, the word of uh, going to buy these pizzas whatever night you guys decide we're going to go out to eat pizza because I'm paying because I didn't win at anything we <laughs> did. So I didn't have a <laughs> where I can pat myself on the back. Sorry. Well, guys, I am going to give it up to myself uh, for two things. I, I did break the news on the fact that the PGA Tour is going to give guaranteed money in 2023, 500000 uh, to anyone who has their PGA Tour card. I broke that first. And I also, this is probably my nominee here, I am going to go with the fact that I beat not only the live schedule by a month, but the Golf Channel by a month as well on the fact that Liv is coming to Oklahoma at Cedar Ridge in 2023 on May 12th through the 14th. T-Dub, the reason why this one gets it is not only did I get it right that Liv was coming to Cedar Ridge, I also got the dates right, uh, which made me very, very happy. I, I mean, I, I think that has to get the cake. I mean, it was, I could not believe that not only, like you said, not only did we get the site right, but the dates. I mean, day for day, exactly right. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't have the hourly schedule and the tee times already and the, the whole pairings already come out. So you're on top of that <laughs> one, Sam. You, de- you definitely get uh, you definitely get the Jim, Jim Traber Award this year. So congratulations. Well, I got to give it up to myself. The give it up to myself award. I like that. (laughs) Giving my, not only giving (laughs) it up to myself, but I get an award for it too. I I mean, talk about a win-win, baby. So great job. Let's go with, let's go with, we're not going to hit an absolute, one of the big ones yet. Let's go with announcer of the year. And I think this is an absolute travesty. We're not going to hear him next year, but it has to be Roger Malpe, Woody, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, once once Roger and Gary Coke got kicked to the curb, um, we're going to get to see Maltby a little bit next year. So the guy I really went with was Faldo. And the reason why I went with Faldo is the guy actually, I knew him when he was a player. I was around him not a lot, but enough to know how arrogant it was. And he, he changed. When he got in the booth and when he signed off and he said to those guys, they're like the brothers he never had. Uh, it kind of touched me for a minute, and I was like, man, don't like him, but I, I did. I, I really thought he did a good job, so I went with Faldo. I like both of those picks. Uh, my, I, I t- I, I'm going to go with Roger Maltby, but I do want to give my honorable mention, which would, would have been, if, if NBC didn't do that to Roger Maltby, I would have gone uh, with uh, David Faraday going to live, which I think was a pretty ballsy move on his part, and I think that that could prove to be a really good decision by David Faraday in the future. But I agree with T Dub. I will give Roger Maltby the award for announcer of the year because he absolutely deserves the award and did not deserve what happened to him at NBC. A hundred percent right. So Roger Maltby, congratulations on your award. Rightfully deserved. Without question, and all the contenders up there that were said were were, were great as well, and so uh, cannot wait for for what the future holds, and hopefully the future announcing can be as good as it has been, if not better. So let's go with one of my favorites, maybe my favorite award, at least my favoritely named award, the Colin Montgomery Award. This goes to the sneakiest choke of the year, and my nominee, I had I had two options here. I could have went with. Scott Piercy, the 3M Open, who had like a six-shot lead with 12 holes left and ended up finishing fourth in the tournament. Just one of the biggest collapses I've ever seen. But I'm going to go with something that no one's talked about because he's played so well since and continued a lot of other tournaments. Tim Young should have won the, the PGA Championship this year. He double bogeyed the 16th holes, one of the worst doubles I've ever seen in my entire life. And he missed the playoff by one shot. So, Woody, I'm giving it to Cam Young because uh, no one's talking about it, and I feel like he uh, he blew a major. Yeah, he did blow one there for sure. Um it didn't really matter that much. It's not like a major, but I still got to go with Danny Willett three putting from five feet. I mean, what the he is? Yeah, that was that. That was just ugly. No, no <laughs> doubt about it. Now, Woody, I, I will say that that more that's considered more of an actual choke. The Colin Montgomery Award for sneakiest choke means that you know you hear about Phil Mickelson choking at Wingfoot. And you hear about Jeff Ogilvy winning, but you never hear about Colin Montgomery choking at Wingfoot, right? Do you see what I'm saying here, Woody? It, it, it's the sneaky yeah. choke. It, it's just like yeah, everyone so, so. everyone talks about Mito Pereira at the PGA Championship, and this is why my nominee is going to be the exact same as T-Dubs. It's got to be Cam Young because he had the tournament in the palm of his hands on the back nine of a major, and you know he kind of blew it, but no one's ever going to remember it. No, that's well, a good point. Now that now that you explained it a little bit more better to me, Cam Young, but no doubt, no no doubt. I mean, he he did step on himself in a big way, but nobody did. You don't even hear anybody even say anything. You guys are right. You're you got it. That's the best yeah. one. That's the sneakiest for sure. But, Mine was but just Woody, a full fledged throw up on the green. Woody, I do think yours is a contender because the, the event that tournament happened in was the week before the President's Cup. So everyone forgot about it because Tom Kim stole the show and, and the U.S. was in, in a dogfight when they shouldn't have been and the live guys weren't there. So I do think yours was a contender just really from the time that That's the event a good occurred. Point. That's a good point. Yeah, but it, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't matter like those that you're talking about. No, it, it's a different deal. You're right. And, and sneaky choke, is, it's still a choke. You're right. 
T-Dub, right, so that means yeah, yeah, that... 100% right. That means that Cam Young wins our Holy Award for... Uh, our Colin Montgomery Award for Sneakiest yeah, yeah. Choke of the Year. T-Dub, what do we got next? Hey, 100%. Congratulations. Cam Young to him. We got about <laughs> about five awards here left to go. Let's go with most respectful moment of the year. This one was what was an interesting one for me to pick. This, this award was infamous. We did it last year because of Hideki's caddy at Augusta doing the bow on the 18th green. Just an absolutely iconic moment. And I went with the most respectful moment, just one that's so dear to my heart and it's going to get nominated for another award for just a little bit. But uh, this Tiger showing up at Southern Hills to play. The man broke his leg just a little over a year before that and was able to play. And he only played three of the four majors. He could have easily not played um, the, the PGA Championship and played the U.S. Open. I know that he likes Southern more more than Brookline as a course, but a lot of people would say the U.S. Open's more prestigious tournament than the PGA Championship. So my most respectful moment would he was Tiger showing up, uh, given his uh, goatly presence at Southern Hills. It could have been there or the Masters. But, you know, my, my favorite, most respectful moment, it, it just, I still love it, it is when professional golfers play in events where the president's cup is mainly the Ryder cup how respectful they are to the united states and to our flag um this is where i get on my soapbox a little bit if you're at one of those events you stand you put your hand on your heart you take your hat off and you praise the lord that you get to live in the united states of america you don't ever see golf pros acting like turds let me just tell you that, boys, and you never will. They got respect for this country, so I'm the Ryder Cup. I love what the Ryder Cup means and how we act like good United States citizens. Woody goes with the Ryder Cup on a President's Cup year in 2022. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't care. I'm just joking with you, Woody. I, hey, I, I got where you're coming from. I just had to give you the needle a little bit. Uh, I forgot. It wasn't a Ryder Cup. It was a President's Cup where I was getting all excited. Yeah, I put that on my cheap Ryder Cup. It was the President's Cup. But you know what I mean. I get fired 100%. up about that kind of stuff. I totally agree. And, Woody, this is a tough 100%. award. The most respectful moment of 2022 in a year full of disrespect. I feel like the disrespect uh, was over the top every single day. So it's hard to really remember a respectful moment, kind of like the Hideki uh, caddy situation at the Masters. But I do remember one uh, interview that Scotty Scheffler gave after the Masters, talking about him breaking down in the car, uh, headed headed to the final round of the Masters, and, and his wife basically told him that you are not in control, God is in control. So Scotty Scheffler's wife gets the most respectful moment of the year. He goes on to win the Masters after she talks him in uh, to playing some great golf, T-Dub. Boy, that's a strong one right there. I, I, I don't know, Woody. I, I, as much, I 100% agree with everything that, that Woody and you guys have said. But I do think Scotty Sheffler's wife is probably deserving of this award because if not her, not for her, Woody, Scotty Sheffler may have blown that lead. I, I, you know, I forgot all about that one too, Sam. That's a good one pulling out of your butt there. That was, and you know what? I mean, that she talked him off the ledge, man. I'm telling you. You know, I think that was, uh, yeah, she gets the sports psychologist of the award for that deal that was awesome so i gotta go with you sam you did it again that's right that's right so scotty scheffler's wife wins the uh most respectful moment of the year award in 2022 in professional golf uh 
no players win it, obviously, for obvious reasons uh, with all the debates yeah. going on. Uh, T-Dub, what do we got next? We're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. We are. We got three awards left, three of our favorites. Let's start with our favorite moment of the year award. And for me, this was undoubtedly – I mean, it, it just stands out, and I'm going to remember it to the day I die. When I saw Tiger on Monday of the PJ Championship week, I literally bawled my eyes out. I was so happy. I could not believe he was there. It just made – I felt like I was a kid again. I remember going to the 2001 U.S. Open and seeing him through the ropes and just how it made me feel, and it made me bring back those memories. Um, what was that, 21 years later. So, uh, undoubtedly, Woody, it was seeing Tiger at the PJ Championship. And I knew you guys would have something with Tiger because I know how much you guys love him. Uh, mine, mine was the, the fact that the live – uh, tour actually took off that it actually did happen and it put pressure on the PGA Tour to make a lot of changes and I think it's going to be in the long run I think it's going to be one of the most important things that ever happened in golf this last year so that was my favorite moment really the live guys getting it all together and pulling it out guys my favorite moment of the year is kind of a selfish one because I think it's going to be my favorite sports watching moment of my life. Uh, it was walking inside the ropes during that playoff with Justin Thomas and, and Will Zalatoris. It, it, it was just unbelievable watching that unfold while it's happening right in front of you. It almost doesn't seem real. I know people are watching it on TV live, but watching just you know you're it literally looks like you're just watching a club championship with thousands of people around you know what i mean like it doesn't seem real and the shot that justin thomas hit uh on 17 that three wood cut in there standing right behind him i'll never forget uh the feeling that i had you know that i was lucky enough to have walking you know inside the ropes during a major that that was really cool guys 100 percent was good. so i mean i, I think all of those were exceptionally good so i mean we could we could kind of combine ours together, Sam, and just I include agree. the PJ Championship week I, overall. I That's agree what that. I would say. That that would be, definitely be the favorite moment, just having another major here. Two more left. Let's go with probably the one that most people have been waiting to hear the most. That is the infamous Patrick Reed Award. This goes to the D-Bag of the Year. You can use your imagination uh, to know what D stands for. So I'm going to go with the nominee. This one was pretty clear-cut for me. I got to go with Jay Monahan, Woody. I think he deserves D-Bag of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> this was tough. There's too many. There's too many here. Uh, guys, to be honest with you, the guy that the award's named after did a pretty good job of winning it again. I mean, when you're when you're suing people and doing all that he's doing, he, he's right there pitching. If, he, if it isn't him, and a close second was Billy Horschel, who, who was such a jerk. Little did we know that he wasn't going to be a jerk if he'd have gotten to go to live, but live didn't want him. So I'm going with Billy Horschel. Woody, we are right on the money there. I'm going with Billy Horschel as well, even though I love T-Dub's nominee for D-Bag of the Year. Uh, I have to go with Billy Horschel. Mainly, the reason why he really captured this award was not only because of his comments, not only towards Live Guys, but to our man Taylor Gooch. The fact that he was such a hypocrite that it comes out later that he said he would go to live for $55 million, and Liv said, no, it's all right. <laughs> we and, don't that's, want and that's why Billy, Billy Horsell was so outspoken um, about the guys going to live. We don't want you here is what Billy Horsell said. Well, Billy, 
We don't want you here either, but congratulations. You win the Patrick Reed Award for D-Bag of the Year. T-Dub, any thoughts on Billy Horschel? Well, I guys, I completely forgot this, what he did to our man TG. I mean, that was over at Wentworth, and that, that's just – he was just an absolute hypocrite. Wouldn't talk to his face and then pretty much bashed him in the media. So, I mean, I was thinking more just the, the decline of the $55 million, but now that I remember how he treated, treated TG, yeah, I 100% agree. He deserves D-Bag of the Year, 100%. So he's going to get that – Number one, we'll get in the mail form shipped off here before too long. But, guys, we have reached the conclusion of the Holy Award. So we have to give the final award to the 73rd Holy Award because that is the name of our show. It goes to the best playoff of the year. And we've talked about it so much during the show. I feel like it's going to be pretty close uh, on who get on who gets it. It's got to be the PGA Championship. I mean, and it's, uh, it's honestly head and shoulders above – everyone else and so i'm going with pj championship what do you got anything else no there's no doubt that was first off right in our own backyard and it was a really good playoff event wills our tourists you know we worried so much about his putting but uh, uh jt just went out and beat him in that that little stretch so uh yeah pga guys and the reason why it wins playoff of the year the 73rd hole award is because it was three of the greatest holes you could have for a playoff. You have the par five, and then you Absolutely. have the drivable par four, and then the hardest hole, then maybe the hardest finishing hole in all of golf, guys. I mean, it was it was the atmosphere around it, too. The fans were able to basically see every single shot if you wanted to, or you could sit behind 18 green. It was unbelievable watching that playoff that basically to me i think secured another major championship at southern hills in the future right t-dub i uh, i just hope it's sooner rather than later but yes eventually down the road the court the course is too good it's too it's too historic it's got too many great holes on it. it's just an absolute great test of golf so absolutely yes there will be a major there at another point and uh, i i will every single memory i have from that tournament and, and one thing I looked up the other day too which I think was pretty cool out of every tournament that was played last year the PGA Championship had the strongest strength of field out of anyone that was there analytically so I think that's pretty cool that we got to see the best field of any tournament that was held in 2022 but I think the coolest thing about the PGA is that you guys were there that that you know I've always said that I've been very fortunate in my life that I've been there and done that in person and there's nothing like it, Sam. You're spot on. And you're right there, and you can hear the crack of the ball, and you see all those people and what's going on. That was it, boys. That was that was clutch. That, that's as good as it gets. No doubt about it, guys. That wraps up our Holy Awards for 2022. T-Dub, Woody, thank you so much for being a part of the Holy Committee that gets these nominees together every single year for our Holy Awards. Congratulations to all of our winners except for Billy Horschel. Stay with us next week. We'll be back here on the 73rd Hole. We are also going to be back on the radio for our 73rd Hole radio show on Super Bowl Sunday, which is also Waste Management Sunday. You can check us out on on 98.1 FM, WWLS, The Sports Animal, and also go follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well, at The 73rd Hole on Twitter and at 73rd Hole on Instagram. Guys, thank you so much for Taylor Williams and Jim Woodward. This has been Sam Humphreys here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>